Good morning, good morning this morning. If you have your Bibles and you would, turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. This morning, uh, as Don said, we have a um, day of prayer that is coming. I think it is, as Don said, a very important day uh, that we pray uh, that God's will would be done in our nation we move forward. We pray for God's forgiveness, His mercy. Uh, we seek for Him to, to cleanse us uh, and to lead us and guide us. And so what I want to do uh, today and somewhat over the next several weeks is I want to help us to begin to prepare to have an effective day of prayer. It's great to say this is a day of prayer, but are we prepared for that day of prayer? And so this morning we want to talk about boldness in our prayer life. And this affects every area of our our prayer life, not just that day, but I want us to prepare our hearts for that day. And so Hebrews chapter 4, there is a passage of Scripture that gives us direction in regards to how we come before the Lord. Hebrews chapter 4, and uh, our focus today is on verses 14, 15, and 16. But in order to fully understand that, we have to back up to verse 11. And so we're going to begin in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11. It says, Let us therefore, remember what I always say, you see the word therefore, ask yourself what it's there for. Okay? So, so let's, let's figure out what that's there for. And he'll reveal that for us in just a moment. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. The rest that he's been talking about previously. Okay? Lest anyone fall through following the same example of disobedience. So if we back up, it says that they were not allowed to enter the rest because of their disobedience. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of the soul and the spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Now let that marinate for just a moment. Able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and lay bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Now, this is the text we want to focus on. We have to understand where that's coming from. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore, listen to these words, draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and may find grace to help in the time of need. He is giving us instruction in regards to coming before the throne of grace, coming into the presence of the Lord. But as we think about that this morning, God 
sets the very heart and, and understands who we are, what makes us tick, our thoughts and our intentions. If you listen to that passage as we read to, through it, he said this, everything is laid bare before the Lord. Nothing is hidden from Him. Do you understand that? Comprehend the idea that, that while I may be able to have thoughts in my head that nobody else knows, He knows. I may be able to have feelings inside of me that I don't express, and nobody else knows I have those feelings, but He knows. Anything that I may hide from others that, that might be embarrassing or, or that, that might cause them to to look at me differently, and we think, oh, oh, I don't want them to know I think this. I don't want them to know I feel this way. I, I don't want them to... So, so we act differently than we feel. We behave differently than we think. But understand, God knows every bit of that. There isn't anything that we can hide from Him. So let's think about that. Let's be honest. Honest with Him and honest with ourselves. Sometimes that's a little scary. Isn't it? Sometimes the things that I'm thinking, the things that are in my heart, the things that I'm feeling, sometimes it's a little scary to think. God knows that. God knows the very intention. What I, I really intend. I may do something one way and people perceive it that way, but my intention. He knows every bit of that. None of that is hidden from Him. And, and as we think about that, He says, that should give you a certain confidence. Why is that? I, I mean, I think, good night, man, sometimes the things that I think, the things that I feel, I don't want God to know that. But here's what He says. We have a God. We have a Savior who came and lived in the flesh. He was tempted in every way that we are. So he knows. He, he knows what tempts us. He, he knows what draws our heart and draws our mind and, and draws our emotions and our feelings. He knows. Because the scripture said he's been tempted in everything such as we are. Yet one thing, what? He had no sin. He never yielded to that temptation. He knows what it is to be tempted. He knows what it is to, to have those attacks to come at us and try to lure us away and cause us to do things and make decisions that we shouldn't in our lives. Yet there was no sin. And so the scripture says that we now have a high priest. Or we have an advocate who understands. Who knows what it is to struggle with those things in life. Because he was tempted in every manner, in every way such as we are. Yet he did not yield to that. And so what the scripture is trying to help us to see this morning is simply this. I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be concerned about God knowing what I'm thinking or what I'm feeling. He already knows it. Understand that the scripture says because he knows it and because he understands, because he's been there, tempted in every manner such as we are, we can come before his throne. We can come to the presence of the Lord with boldness. Listen, I want to tell you something this morning. If there is sin in your life, 
and you're worried that God might not accept you or God might reject you or God might love you less or look at you differently because of that sin in your life, understand this, there is no shock factor. He already knows. If I come to Him and say, God, I've got this sin in my life, I'm not, it's not a news bulletin. He already knows. And what he's saying is because I know and because I've been there, don't worry. I love you anyway. And I understand. You can come into my presence with confidence. You can come into my presence with boldness. You can stand before me and know that I'm still going to love you, that I'm going to understand where you're coming from because I've been there myself. I don't know about you, but that gives me some that gives me some confidence that I can draw near to His throne of grace and have the the assurance that He knows and He's been there and He understands and that He will still accept me and love me. Okay? So let me ask you this. Think about this for just a moment. When you come to the Lord in prayer, when you come into His throne, His his point of grace and mercy to communicate with Him. How do you come? Do you come with boldness? Do you come with confidence? Do you come with hope and assurance to know, as the Scripture says this morning, that He understands and that He will hear our prayers and He will answer our prayers and He will love us regardless. If you don't come with that Listen very carefully to this message is for you. If you come with that boldness, listen very carefully to This will reassure and reaffirm your approach to your prayer life. First thing I want us to see is this. The practice of bold praying. And I want us to see the examples that we should avoid. Because there are some some instances of bold praying in God's Word that are things that, that we should avoid. They are not good examples for us to follow. They're good examples for us to learn from and avoid that behavior. First one is this. Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 12. There is a proud Pharisee, and he is praying boldly in his prayer life. I mean, he is standing up with boldness and confidence for everyone to hear how righteous he is. He's standing up, realizing, recognizing, and communicating that he is better than others. And he is standing up with boldness and confidence and even repeating, I am glad I'm not like that sinner over there. I'm better than what I want you to see about that. When we come to the Lord with boldness and with confidence, it's not with arrogance. It's not with self-righteousness. It's not with my own holiness. That's not what boldness and confidence is talking about. It's not the idea that, hey, I'm better than everybody else and I'm righteously standing before you, Lord, to get your attention so you'll listen to me. It's not what he's talking about. We see an example of that in this Pharisee. And God says that's, that's not how we ought to be. That's, that's not how we ought to pray. So let's avoid that. Matthew chapter 6, 
verses 1 and 2, and then in verse 5, the religious hypocrite. A few weeks ago, we talked about hypocrites, remember? And, and it was just part of our message. It wasn't the whole message. But the idea is this, as, that if someone is genuinely trying and fails, they're not a hypocrite. That's just being human because we all fail in life, right? If someone is, is, is doing something and putting forth the effort and, and they don't quite measure up, that's not a hypocrite. A hypocrite is someone who does something out of their own selfish ambition, who does something in order to, to regain for their own life. And, and in Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 and 2 and verse 5, there is the religious hypocrite. If, if I do what I do out of the wrong motivation, for others to see and applaud and appreciate, I am a hypocrite. So don't pray that way. Don't pray and stand before folks here at church or wherever the case may be, in a Bible study, or wherever, and, and pray so that people can hear how, how spiritual I am. So that people can, can recognize just how holy I am. It's just, no, that's a hypocrite. Don't pray that way. Confidence, boldness, but not hypocrisy for others to hear how wonderful I am. Matthew chapter 6, verses 7 and 8, there is the persuasive, repetitious pagan. In fact, he talks about that and he says that they, they think by saying things over and over and over and over and over and over and over again that the Lord's going to hear them and he's going to change his mind. Well, the scripture says that's not the case. That we can't persuade God to do something other than His will. And so for me to repetitiously over and over and over pray about the same thing over and over and over and over trying to see if we can persuade God or sway His will or get Him to do something other than what He's doing in our life. He said that, that's, not, that's not boldness. That's not he said that is seeking to change God or change God's mind or God's will for our life. And here's the thing he warns us in regards to that. If you're praying about forgiveness of a sin, then why do I have to keep coming and praying for that sin? Why do I have to keep coming and praying for that sin? Either he, he forgives me, and in that seeking of forgiveness, I seek to change my life and not live in that sin any longer... Or else I keep coming back because I keep sinning. I keep sinning. I keep sinning. I keep living in that same sin. And he says at some point we've got to change. At some point we've got to allow the Spirit of God to lead us in a different direction in our life and in our prayer life. So, let's talk about the basics of bold praying. Here are some examples of how we should pray. Things that we should do. In our life. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 6, Jesus knew that we would want to pray, that we would want to communicate with the Father. And so Jesus, when he introduces our prayer life or a pattern or a model for prayer, this is what he says when you pray. You hear that? He didn't say if you pray, if you choose to pray or you decide to pray, he said when you pray. And that's an affirmative that he understood that our hearts would be drawn to communicate with the Father and so that we would be a people of prayer. When you pray, says to us it ought to be the desire of our heart to pray. 
It ought to be that thing that sets us apart is that I have a desire to communicate with the Heavenly Father. I want to, I'm not afraid of prayer. I don't back away from prayer. I, I don't hesitate to pray. I, I, I desire to pray. When you pray. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8, and then, then 9, 10, and 11. Jesus invites His disciples to pray. And He gives them hope in their prayers. He compares our prayer life to the relationship of children asking their father to meet their needs and the father responding to their request. So so he begins to communicate to them about their prayer life. And he says, listen, when you're talking to your heavenly father about the needs that you have in your life, he says it's like a child talking to their father. It's like a child saying to their father, hey, I I need this, or I need your help with this, or I need your direction in this, and and, and I I need to figure out how to accomplish this. He says, just like that, and when we talk to our father, we expect him to respond and help us. He said we ought to have that same hope and that same confidence when we come to the father. That, That whatever it is that I'm bringing to him, that he's there to listen and to respond and to meet our needs in our life. Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. Something about Jesus' prayer life causes His disciples to want to pray. And this is what they say. Lord, teach us to pray. You understand that? It's, it's a learned behavior. It just doesn't come natural. Now, it should be natural in regards to it's just a conversation with our Father. But it doesn't come. He said there are elements of prayer that we need to learn. We need to study God's Word and see what it says and how it teaches us and how it directs us that, that they said, Lord, teach us to pray. We, we want to pray like you pray. Teach us to pray. Romans chapter 8 and verse 26 says the Holy Spirit should lead us in our prayer life, directing our thoughts and our prayers. The Holy Spirit needs to be involved. I, all times we talk about God the Father, God the Son, but we don't talk a lot about the Holy Spirit. And I think sometimes we do that because we're a little bit leery and we don't understand. Sometimes we use that word spirit and we almost get this feeling like it's, it's kind of a ghost or it's mystical or, or something that's difficult to understand. The Holy Spirit is, is just another part of the Holy Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And He says that I have sent the Helper, that's who the Holy Spirit is, to help us to live our Christian life. We need to be praying to the Holy Spirit. We need to be talking to the Holy Spirit. We need to be communicating with the Holy Spirit so the Holy Spirit gets involved in our prayer life. And when we communicate with the Holy Spirit and we talk to Him about things that are going on, He sometimes becomes the go-between to help that be translated or understood to the Father because the Scripture says that sometimes we have groanings that are too deep for words. We don't even know how to put our prayers into words. And He said that's what the Holy Spirit is. That's where the Holy Spirit takes over for us. And the Holy Spirit needs to be a very active part of our our prayer life. So the need and the process of boldness in prayer, God is a prayer hearing and a prayer answering God. And so He wants us to be bold and have confidence in our prayer life. James chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. Listen to what it says. Submit, therefore, to God. There's the beginning process. Surrender, submit, making him Lord and master of our life. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Listen, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. If I'm going to come to the presence of God, there needs to be a cleansing. 
but I'm going to come to the presence of God where there needs to be a purifying. There needs to be a, a change and a transformation that's taking place in me in relationship to approaching the throne of grace. And he says if you submit to God and resist the devil, that's the beginning of the process. You submit to God and resist the devil. We often times have a struggle with that in our life because we want to embrace these things over here that are worldly. We want to embrace these things over here that are carnal. We want to embrace these things over here that, that are fulfilling and satisfying to me. And, and he says, resist the devil and, and submit to God. And he says, and then when we draw near to him, he will draw nearer to us. And in relationship to that, he says, there needs to be a cleansing. There needs to be a purifying. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Listen to this. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Understand, he is our opponent. He is directly and diabolically opposed to us and the way that God desires for us to live. That's why the scripture says resist him. That's why the scripture says be on the alert. Be aware. He will do everything that he can. He's seeking roaming around seeking whom he may devour. He wants to destroy us. And God wants to preserve and save us. To give us a life that is full of hope. To give us a life that is abundant. The scripture is very clear about that. But Satan, he wants to steal and kill and destroy. He wants to, to drag that away from us. And so he says, listen, we need to prepare our hearts. James chapter 4 and verse 8. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Cleansing and purification. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 1 through 7. Listen to what it says. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. That's a present tense thing. He says, uh, having these promises... Beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. We are the bride of Christ, and He is the bridegroom. Can you imagine a bride coming to the wedding being filthy, dirty, stinky, really just unpresentable? Oftentimes that's what we do as a church. We allow the defilement of the world to get into our hearts and our minds and our lives. And we come to the presence of our bridegroom. We come to the presence of, of the Father. And we're coming filthy and dirty and stinky and unacceptable. And he says, we've got to cleanse ourselves. We've got to purify ourselves. We've got to prepare ourselves. For the bridegroom is coming. And we are his bride. Isaiah chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. He says, so when you spread out your hands in prayer... I will hide my eyes from him. Wait a minute. I thought he was a prayer answering God. I thought he was a prayer hearing God. He says, when you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Yes, even though you multiply prayers, I will not listen. Why? This is what he says. Your hands are covered with blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. He says, if we want to have an effective prayer life, if we want to be able to come to the, to the throne room of God in grace, 
with boldness and confidence. He says, we've got to deal with the filthiness and the sin that's in our life. It becomes a roadblock to us. It becomes a barrier to keep us from His presence. And so we've got to deal with that. And in dealing with that, He says, remove the evil deeds, the evil of your deeds from my sight. Cease to do evil. Stop sinning, He says. Remove that from my sight. Get it out of the way. In other words, deal with it and stop living in it so that you can come into my presence with boldness and confidence so that I can accept you and hear your words and respond to you. So how do we get clean? We're going to wrap up this morning. But let me share with you, this is critical. How do we get clean? Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 and 26. And listen, if you haven't picked up anything else today, take this with you. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 and 26. Husbands, Love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word. By the washing of the water with the word. Paul says we are cleansed by the water and by the word. The reading of God's word, the study of God's word, the the application of God's word to our life. If we're going to cleanse and we're going to purify, we have to be in the Word. If we're going to wash and clean ourselves, we have to be in the Word. The Word is what makes the difference. Psalm chapter 119 and verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? Remember he said, cleanse your hands and purify your hearts? Okay. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your Word. Living according to God's Word. I can't live according to it if I don't know it. I can't know it if I don't study it. I've got to be in God's Word. I've got to read God's Word and allow God's Word to filter my life and direct my life and, and, and direct my decisions and the paths that I take. And His Word then becomes cleansing, becomes purifying, because I'm living according to the truths of His Word. 1 John chapter 1, verses 7 through But if we walk in the light and see Himself as in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. We want cleansing and we want purification and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's the blood of Jesus. the blood of Jesus and the power of His Word that purifies us. And He says we have to be cleansed of our sin in order to come to the throne room with grace and confidence. And He says in relationship to that we have to be honest about our sin. It's not just Lord forgive me for I've sinned. He's talking to Him about how we sin. Recognizing and realizing what our sin is. Father forgive me I lied to someone I don't know why. I don't know what put me in that frame of mind. But when I was approached and asked, I, I told a lie. i got to be honest with you. But he already knows. Remember how we started today? He already knows. We're not hiding anything from him, Lord. Lord, there, there, there was lust in my heart today. I saw something. I saw someone. And there was lust. I need to ask your forgiveness for that. Lord, I, whatever it is, be honest. He already knows. Be open and honest and genuine and sincere. And he says, if we are faithful to confess our sins, 
God, let me be honest with you about the sin of my life. He says he will be faithful to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us, washing us, making us whole and pure, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Folks, we just got to be honest with God. We've got to come to Him on a, on a regular and consistent basis and deal with the sin in our life. We've got to get in His Word and allow His Word to direct our decisions and the choices that we make and the things that we do in our life. And then He says, I promise you, you can come to my, my throne with confidence. You can come boldly seeking my will for your life. You need to do that. We can do that today and every day, but especially we move forward the National Day of Prayer that's approaching, we need to prepare our hearts to be clean and purified and ready to communicate with the Father through boldness and confidence, desiring His will for our life, for our community, for our nation, seeking God's will, His direction for our future. But this morning we're going to offer an invitation. The invitation is always a time for us to make decisions about our life, about where we are. Maybe in your prayer life you've been playing a little bit of games with the Lord. And maybe you haven't been being honest about your sin. You think that maybe He doesn't know. Like everybody else, I can hide it from Him when you can't. So, so let's make a decision today that from this moment forward, I'm going to be honest with God about my sin. I'm going to call it what it is. I'm going to admit it to Him. And I'm going to ask Him to forgive me. And He says if you'll do that, He will forgive me. He's faithful. Let's let's decide today that we're going to get into God's Word and we're going to start reading it on a regular basis. And we're going to allow God's Word to direct us and give us our our paths and our decisions according to the truth of His Word.